Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next. Let us say together the collect. Almighty God, through, through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Next. We will have Paul Parker reading our first uh, reading. There we go. The first reading is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I have preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, for I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believed. Thank you. I'd like to invite Inger to read our gospel. Yeah. I'm reading John 20, verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved 
and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He went down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the clothes that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings that rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. She, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw the two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one on the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have led him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Lord Jesus. Thank you, Inga. Be welcome. Okay. Um, I am very glad we have also a number of uh, scholars, uh, biblical scholars with us. And so I can uh, um, invite them to also help make at least the words that I'm going to say in, in the first in the beginning meditation 
clearer to, to all of our friends here. Um, I want to emphasize that the experience of knowing Christ um, and the experience of witnessing and experiencing the resurrection preceded any written material about the resurrection. Now, I want to explain this. Let's look at the first reading from Corinthians, which is on the screen. Um, it is a little bit, it's a little bit um, small. Andraus, can you hear me? Yeah. Andraus. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, because both, both of these are about uh, the gospel. I need the first reading from Corinthians. Okay. Uh, okay, one second. Just give me the first reading, even if we cannot put it together with the gospel. I need the, the first reading. You can go back to it. Okay. Okay. No, yeah, I need it. The okay. first reading is in front of you now. Yes, thank you. Um, please look at verse 3. This is Paul writing. I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, different name for Peter, then to the 12th. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me or to, to Paul, to Saul of Tarsus. Now, what I would like to emphasize that um, when Paul wrote these words, he was to our knowledge, he was the first to put down um, what happened all about the resurrection uh, from in writing. He was the first one to really do it. Maybe he wrote 
another epistle, another letter before Corinthians, but Corinthians was written around maybe 53 years after the resurrection, 53, 54 years. Um, so about 20 years after the resurrection, Paul wrote this letter. Now, what is very important is that during the, the first 20 years after the resurrection, um, the people, the Christians, the believers, the believers did not have any written gospel. They did not have any of the gospels. All the gospels that were written were written much later. So really Paul wrote uh, the first, the first what, what we have about the resurrection before any other things were written down. Maybe there were some bits and pieces of the, of the gospels that had been written there, but as gospels, we did not have. So it is Paul who's writing about what he himself has received. It's very clear. I am, um, I am writing to you what I was, I received, I had received. So he was receiving from the other disciples, from the other apostles, the story of Jesus. So what I'm trying to emphasize here, because most of us think that there were gospels, there, there, people were reading this. Paul did not, maybe even Paul did not really see any of the gospels written. Because so far as we know, Paul was killed by the Romans in Rome around maybe 65 after AD, 65 years after AD. So it'll be um, a good number of 30, 40 years um, um, after the resurrection. So the first gospel to be written was the gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark, so far as the scholars tell us, was probably written uh, between 65, 66, 67 um, after Christ. Um, so think about it. Maybe when Paul was killed, he did not even know that Mark had written his Gospel. Maybe he did, because some scholars debate these things, these dates, you know, are always debatable. <laughs> among scholars, you know, and I, um, but I am relying on the general ideas uh, of main, the main scholarship that I am aware of. So, so the first gospel written was Mark and he wrote 60, around just before 70 ADs, uh, 70, is the year in which the Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. Some scholars say maybe Mark wrote before 70 AD. Some say a few years after 70 AD. So the first period, the, the, the believers did not have anything except the oral tradition. That is people who had the experience, they lived with Jesus Christ, they heard him, they knew him, he was their friend, uh, they listened to him, 
And this is that for almost 20 years, uh, believers just uh, uh, accepted what was given to them by those disciples uh, who experienced uh, Christ personally when he was living with them uh, during that time. So it's very interesting to remember this, uh, that uh, for many years, the Gospel of Matthew was written in the 80s. Uh, the Gospel of John was written in the 90s. Matthew, Luke, the same thing uh, in the 80s, uh, maybe. So it's very interesting to see that the emphasis in the beginning was on the oral experience, the oral tradition of the believers who, uh, who knew Jesus personally in that sense. This makes us, makes every one of us ask many questions. And maybe some of you want to ask some of these questions. But for me, it's really interesting uh, that we were dependent on people's experience with Jesus Christ. And that's why we still believe, because Paul himself did not experience uh, Jesus uh, uh, personally. I mean, he. He talks about it when he met Jesus on the road to the Damascus, you know, but, and he says, you know, he appeared to me, Paul says, but it was a different way of, again, uh, experiencing the living uh, Jesus uh, Christ. So, um, so all of this, you know, this whole, this historic thing, it's interesting to reflect on, and maybe some of us want to do that at this time. But um, I want to say that the heart of the message of the early church was that Jesus died for our sins. He was resurrected on the third day. And, uh, uh, and this is the heart of the message, which we see in the, in the book of Acts. And we see it in the early sermons of the church um, uh, as, as Acts talks about it and records it. Um, so I, for me, this is very interesting to reflect on the same way. So the questions that I have is what does it mean for us today to live a life that is in the shadow of the resurrection or how can we live our resurrected life uh, in Christ? You know, and I here, I, I just mentioned Colossians chapter three. When you are at home, please read um, Colossians three, uh, chapter three, one to 17, because in this portion of the, of the, of the letter, uh, it, there is, it says, if you are raised with Christ, this is the way you need to, you need to, to behave. If you are raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. If you are raised with Christ, then set your minds on things that are, uh, uh, that are not on earth, but on above, you know. So it's a different way of life. How do we live with life today? Now, we have just had the experience of, uh, of 
the tradition, you know, that has now over 2000 years, but it all goes back to the first believers who experienced Christ personally before anything were written. You know, this is what I wanted to share with you. If I have not made it uh, enough clear, clearly enough, I hope some of our scholars with us can help us with that. But let us begin our discussion with, uh, you know, how, what does it mean for us today to live a, a life uh, of resurrection uh, in, uh, in Christ in the midst of the powers of this world? And I stop now and invite you to uh, express your uh, thoughts. Uh, yes. Now, um, everyone, uh, just please, uh, if someone want to, uh, to to ask or comment, just please raise their hand, be, uh, and I will unmute them. Yes, Valerie. Uh, Um, I, I just love that idea of it being an oral tradition. And I, um, I think the thing that really sparked that for me is when you notice the names of individuals um, in the gospel stories, if you think about Nicodemus and he met Sil you know, secretly at night. So the only way we know that story in the gospel is because Nicodemus must have become a member of the early church and be telling everybody. Um, and people like Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus, you know, they, they weren't just being observed by the disciples. They were actually members of the church telling their stories. And so the Gospels feel like a real collection of, of real experiences of Jesus told by many followers, not just the, um, not just the apostles. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Yeah. But, you know, what's very interesting that Paul did not even probably know all of these things, you know. He wrote because of the experience of the early church with Christ. You know, and, uh, when you when you you trust the experience, you trust the people who who were trustworthy, and they they talked about their own experience with this amazing person, Jesus, and then they experienced his resurrection when he appeared to them. You know, so and then you have the gospel with all these names with all these stories, with all these teachings, with the theology that we, uh, we have uh, uh, interpreted it from these, from these stories. It's amazing when you begin to reflect on this. Thank you, Bella. Uh, Paul? Uh, yes, thank you, Andros. Um, I, I appreciate your insights, Naeem, and you're, it, it's, it's, you're always spot on, and I find it surprising that it's so many that we get such a rich tradition from the oral tradition from not only Paul, but the gospels as well. I, I appreciate your contribution tremendously. I wonder, however, in first um, Corinthians, if at the very beginning, we aren't being oriented away from a um, personal salvation resurrection to the social and political gospel that Jesus preached the very first sentence, I want to remind you of the gospel. And that's what Jesus preached, the good news, the euangelion, 
um, which in Luke 4 is described as the social and political, uh, economic kingdom of God. So the, the gospel is the coming kingdom. It, we have in the modern age, trans, seems we have made it about individual salvation. And it is, but it's also about individual and social salvation within the kingdom of God, which is very much here on earth that Jesus brought. He brought the kingdom near, as I recall in the Gospels. So I wonder if we should be thinking about Christ died for our sins. That is the sin of not accepting him as the Messiah, the king of the kingdom, bringing equality and freedom, nonviolence, forgiveness, and grace to all humans on earth, not just to Jews. This inclusive gospel rather than an individual salvation in the next world. Thanks, Paul, for emphasizing this. Four points. Uh, one, I like uh, our Palestinian and Middle East greetings, you know, for the next 40 days. When we, we don't say Happy Easter, we just say Christ is risen, and you will answer, he is risen indeed. That's to me more biblical than Happy Easter. There's no word called Easter in the, in the book of Acts or in the, in the gospel. Number two, we need uh, to wait another uh, you know, few weeks for our sisters and brothers in the Orthodox Church when they celebrate Easter on April the 2nd. Number three, as I reflect, uh, there are two characters, uh, as since Naim always captivate my psyche, and that's uh, a medical doctor and a lawyer. You know, any case you want to deal with, you need good evidence. And when you read the book of Acts chapter one, brother Luke, a medical doctor, you know, to me, when he says he appeared 40 days, you know, you know, uh, a preacher will say, God is risen, goodbye, a politician, Jesus is risen, goodbye. But that medical doctor said he appeared for 40 days. That's to me coming from a medical doctor is a very powerful witness. And I think the way uh, Brother Paul deal with, I think he have a, a PhD from Harvard in law because he, he, he goes to evidences and about the people who did it and 500 people. So to me, a medical doctor and a lawyer are excellent for our satisfaction 2000 years later about the, the risen Lord. Thanks, Frank. Auntie Samia Tfadali. Before I comment, I want to say my, I'm having problems with my internet. In case I lose it, uh, please have somebody read the answers to the uh, the way uh, the uh, the wave of prayer. But uh, if you don't hear me, let somebody else read them. Uh, what really strikes me in this uh, in this reading is is the role of the woman. It has taken so long, so long, when, when it was Mary Magdalene who, who he 
told her, you have seen the Lord and go and tell the disciples. And she went and said, I've seen the Lord. It took so long for the woman to really be involved in the church. And I don't know why, why, I mean, up till now in many, many churches also, it is, she's still, she's still not recognized when she was the first witness to the event of the resurrection and to really spread the word. I think you're right. Um, but maybe, you know, it's very interesting. I mean, one can really reflect on it quite a bit, you know, are we saying, are we talking about the power of culture? You know, that uh, more than the power of faith in that sense, you're right. I mean, she was, I would call, she's the first apostle, you know, not only the first witness. She was the one who, and, and you know, I, I, in, at that time, a woman was not believed, uh, a witness of a wo woman was not even believed in courts. Uh, I, I think I'm right with this. And yet for the church, for, for the church, for the Christian faith, you know, for us, the witness of the woman was the first one who witnessed for the resurrected Lord, for the, the risen Lord. So it's very important. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Samia. Other ideas? Don't be shy, please speak up. May I? Um, my minutes are here. Um, the thing that I really appreciated in what you said to start by the name was how uh, it was the experience and the oral tradition that gave rise to the gospels. You know, so that people had an experience and then reflected on it and then developed a theology. And first point is I wonder whether sometimes in our churches we do it the other way around. We ask people to accept our institution and accept our dogma and then maybe come into the experience. You know, but I know that, for example, in the Catholic Church we had a we went back to trying to do this in the right order, you know, with the right for Christian initiation of adults, you know, giving, trying to give people experience first and then thinking about the theology. And um, then the next thing is I was trying to connect what we were saying about Jesus defeated sin um, or died for my sin um, with what Bishop Barber said so powerfully, well, each of the reflections was glorious um, last Saturday. Now, but with Bishop Barber speaking, the way I heard that was Jesus taking the stand against the powers of his day, and it was the powers of his day that killed him. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I just get nervous about the notion that God requires Jesus to die for my sin. It's, it's a very important point that you're raising. And uh, um, 
there has been so much written about this, you know. Uh, um, I think uh, it is important to emphasize the fact that uh, that Jesus, Jesus, uh, his love for his for his friends, his love for the world, his love for all of us is what eventually put him to death, you know, in that sense. So it is love. It is love for the other, love for, for even the closest people to him, love for others. I think it is really underneath it all. It is love for others that drove the, the drove Jesus to death. He, and that's why we believe he vanquished the, the death. He, he vanquished death and sin. And this is the, the faith of the church. But it, it can be, it can be, I know, all, especially about this dying for me. Some people find it very difficult to, be, to even talk about this. And maybe some of you want to raise this again now. Thank you. Bye. Uh, talking about um, the tradition, um, the tradition that we have, for example, in, well, Paul, first of all, speaking about Paul, he says there in verse 3, in chapter 15, verse 3, he says, I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received. And that is, in, that is exactly the language of tradition. The handing on is the language from which we get tradition. And so he is passing on tradition. And, but he's not only, well, yes, I guess he is. Um, he's passing on tradition and part of it is history. He's saying, I received this tradition that Christ died, but then there comes the theology that's added to that, the Christology that's added to that. The early church begins to ask why. And they come to the conclusion that it has to do with, with sins. And if you look at the Gospels, I was just going to suggest that if we look at the Gospels, for example, in the Gospel of Matthew, we have a piece of the tradition that, that has Jesus saying, um, when he gives them the cup, he says, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So this idea of sins being in there is indeed part of the tradition. I, I will um, let other people take the conversation here, from here, but that is truly a piece of the tradition that Paul has received. Thank you, Dorothy. May I speak, Andraos? Yes. 
Uh, I yes, want please. To talk, I want to talk about what you said, the last point. How does the resurrection affect us in our daily life? Or how does it, it mean to us today? To me, the resurrection, when Jesus said to them, I'm going to the Father and your Father, to my God and your God, this is the hope that we have as believers, that after we pass away and our faith is in Jesus, that we will be, our hope is to be with the Lord in as he told us. So I, I believe the resurrection is the joy and the hope that we have as believers in in practicing the resurrection and meeting the Lord after our physical death. Very important. Thank you, Radia. This is it. Very much. We're grounded in that faith. Yeah. Other ideas? I would like, I don't know, to mention like a small thing about like how, how all the disciples and everyone was in fear and then it transformed to a kind of happiness after Mary Magdalene, you know, like uh, saw Jesus, you know, and, and how much we need such um, feel of victory and, and, uh, and, and comfort that despite all the sacrifices uh, there, there will be a victory, and and there will be happiness of uh, of a victory. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe this is a message to the Palestinians themselves that we are still hope, and there is, and we will feel the happiness of victory. You know, like uh, and we we, we need to, need to keep on uh, to be steadfast in uh, in our path. You know, like because. No way God would uh, let injustice uh, prevail in, in any way. Thank you, Andravis. I think, yeah, I think this applies. You know, I think nobody um, expected the first resurrection. They, uh, nobody expected. Um, but then the joy, as you say, the joy of the risen Christ was overwhelming to the to the early believers. And I hope it, you know, when you're looking politically, you know, I hope that uh, by the power of God, justice will be uh, will be done for the Palestinians so they can also experience uh, the resurrection, at least from a political perspective, the new life. But I also, we pray also for all people that they find also joy in the resurrected Lord. Other ideas? Well, um, I was thinking about the this question that's been raised of the relationship between the um, 
the idea of Christ dying for our sins and the the more social gospel that we read in in the um, in some of the gospels, especially in Luke and Mark, I would say. And I've always thought that um, it's a question of what we actually imagine sin is directing us to. What what is it? What are they talking about? Are they talking about my little foibles, uh, my lies, you know, uh, or some s small faults in in my my life? Or are we talking about something more social? I I think that the lessons that we're le learning in um, for me at least during my lifetime, it seems to me that the concept of sin has shifted from being about individual uh, uh, mistakes and uh, behavior to how I act in society. We have a, an issue going on now in, in Britain uh, about uh, racial, institutional racism. And people disavow that they are racist, but people who are minorities in this country still experience, I know, a feeling of being excluded. And that seems to me to be a, a, a social sin in which no doubt uh, I participate. Um, you know, as a white person, I think it's almost inevitable that in some ways I, I uh, play a part in that. And, and therefore I think when St. Paul says he died for our sins, and he mentions his own shortcomings in persecuting the church. But I don't think that the Lord Jesus restricted sin to personal failures. I think it was much more uh, of the, the society and the religious society in particular that he saw as something that had to be overcome by, by yeah, the love of, by his love and grace. And that seems to me the connection. And I think sometimes the Pauline um, theology has been taken out of that social context in which it originated, I think. And part of that, of course, is, well, I'm, I don't want to go on much longer, but it seems to me that that is an important thing. Uh, I don't understand to this day how St. Paul uh, could avoid uh, making comments which were critical of slavery, for example, which was a kind of institutional thing which affected every uh, part of the society in the Roman Empire. And that was, I find that very odd um, anyway, be that as it may. But that's my feeling is that that uh, the question of the of crime dying for our sins. Uh, and in a way, you have to say that Jesus Christ suffered because of institutional institutionalized uh, uh, and uh, religion and so on. So I, I, that's what my, my, my contribution would be to say, I think we need to broaden our concept of sin here. Otherwise it does become just my little, my, my small lies, my failures, my, you know, and I think that's not, that may be part of it, but it's not by any means the main thing. Thank you. Thank you, Don. You know, I think uh, we still need more and more uh, good discussion on, on this very fact, because I, I'm aware that 
there are so many people who have problems with this, uh, with this whole issue. I wonder whether, whether during the 20 years before any, any books or, or even what uh, Paul had written, whether the early believers that still had only the experience, whether in their discussion among themselves were not affected uh, about uh, uh, what the Old Testament uh, was talking about, about the sacrificial system of the Old Testament or the, the, the suffering servant in the book of Isaiah uh, that, that has to do with the, you know, dying for, uh, for the sins of others. I wonder, I mean, and maybe some of the uh, New Testament scholars with us can maybe make a comment on this. Um, uh, it is, uh, it's very interesting when you, when you begin to think about um, how, it, how did it develop in the early church? Because if I'm not mistaken, in the Gospel of John, I don't know, because, you know, he did not give the, the as we were discussing the, the, others, the other week, you know, he did not talk about, in John, the, the communion, the Eucharist part. He, he washed the feet of his disciples. And so he did not talk about the sacrificial system he talked about giving his, he was giving himself in love. He was putting himself to death in his love for his friends. So it had to do with the essence of love, giving oneself to death for the, for the others. It needs to be discussed more thoroughly. It is, it is important and probably there are so many different factors that went in this even before any of the gospels were written. Lillian, please. Okay. I believe um, that even under occupation or when you lose everything you have, uh, you're still liberated when you think of Christ, that Christ has control over your life. And um, I think of my own father who lost everything after he worked so hard for it. He, he always told us that we have a rich heavenly father in spite of everything we went through. And that gave us uh, comfort and encouragement that we're not alone, that God is with us. And I think the early Christians uh, were under occupation with the Roman Empire, and they were opposed, but they still uh, believed in the risen Christ, that Christ is with them and will see them through. And I wanted to say about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was uh, murdering Christians, taking them to be murdered, but his experience on, on the road to Damascus where um, Christ appeared to him, changed him completely. Um, I mean, he realized that he wasn't in power anymore, that there is a power stronger than him. He, he went blind and he needed to be led 
so he learned to depend on someone else. And then uh, as we know that he had a hard time, but eventually the Christians there were able to go visit him and encourage him, uh, even though they were scared of him. But because of, because of God's spirit helping him and helping them, and God's spirit will help us, but we need also to do our best to work for our own liberation in love, with love. Anyhow, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Thanks, Lillian. And you know, I give thanks to God for our fathers and mothers who, who, had, a, who had a simple but strong faith in Christ, in God. And um, it's amazing. So you mentioned about your father. I can mention about my father and many others whom, uh, who people who had the strong faith and trust in the resurrection of Christ. Other, other ideas? Valerie? Um, yeah, I wanted to follow up um, Donald's point, which I agreed with very much, because the passage doesn't say died for each of our sins. It, it said for our sins. And we have corporately made a, made a mess, haven't we? We've messed up each other's lives and we've messed up the world. And so we need that corporate salvation but I think the difference for us as believers is that we have access to that joy and hope that comes with it, that perhaps others miss. Um, so I, I think we do need the corporate salvation, the, the salvation for the world. Um, but we also have something special that we want to offer to other people, which is that faith that is lined up with that and learns to, um, to live by that risen life. Thank you, Valerie. Uh, Mary? Mary Corner? Uh, yes, I'm actually still sitting here thinking about this oral tradition where we started. And um, first, as is, uh, I started with in relation to, in relation to the epistle. Oh, what is happening now? I don't know. Um, but also in also relation to the gospel. Oh, I think I stopped because I this stopped doesn't work. work. I'm sorry. No, I, something, something is uh, Samia. No, maybe Samia. something, something is Samia. 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 No, Samia. No, something, maybe Samia. I will, I will uh, unmute or I will wait a minute. No, just mute Samia, I think. Samia is having problems with her. No, because Samia is, uh, she's uh, muted. Okay, so I don't know. Let's go back to Mary. Mary, please continue. Sorry for the technical failure. Something's wrong with, yeah. Can Samia hear us? Can Samia hear us? Uh, Auntie Samia? I will. 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 I
something's wrong. Something's wrong with you, with your, with the, with your line. Okay. No. Uh, okay. Wait to see. I will unmute all because I don't know if, uh, who has the, the, the problem. Okay, Reverend. Okay, uh, Assis. Mary, you can speak if you want. Okay, thank you. Um, now, but I was thinking in relation to the gospel where there was all these details about how Mary, how she moved and saw these different angels and then Jesus and, and how she went to the disciples and that they were running and one was running faster than the other and, and the one went into the grave and, and others. I mean, this reminds me of, of when you meet, for example, somebody that have been through something really big and difficult, maybe their spouses have died or something like that. They, they want to tell you every detail uh, in, in order. First this happened and then this happened and so on. So this makes, and that this also is written like this in the gospel. It makes me feel very close to the first Christian community. And also I, I want to say that I feel um, blessed to have been able to, to visit Palestine and seeing the, the graves and the, the caves and so on, because it makes it easier to understand. Uh, it was this, this was the job. Thanks. Mm -hmm. uh, John Van, John Van, if you want to say something. Yes. Thank you. I just would like to get back to Paul. Um, Paul was, of course, standing in the tradition of the uh, Jewish authority, but he was very much aware of the, the tradition, including the prophets. And when Paul talks about sin, it is a very comprehensive idea of sin, like the prophets had. It was not just personal sins, although they, he also mentioned them, the prophets also mentioned those, but it's the deep sins of the society of that time. And when Jesus died for our sins, as he said, I understand that in that comprehensive way, he died because he knew how many uh, things are wrong in our societies. That was true 2000 years ago, and still true nowadays. And we all need to be part of the that forgiveness and to convert to a new life, like it was very clearly expressed last Saturday by Bishop Barber in the uh, celebration on the Holy Saturday. So I, I read this in the in the Jewish tradition of how Paul probably did understand the meaning of, of sin and of failure. Thank you. Thank you. 
Asis Naim, you need to unmute yourself. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, John. And uh, uh, John, uh, John Klinsko? Uh, yes, I wanted to uh, say that Paul's, Paul's Im immediate interest was in uh, grounding that particular congregation in, in uh, the gospel of Jesus. So, for example, when later on he said, you know, there are times when you are eating together and there was the Eucharist involved and you are not taking, uh, you're not aware of the fact that some people are among you are poor. They're not uh, able to share in the, the fullness of, of the table. Some of you are eating more greedily. And so I, I think the, the whole letter is, is, is aimed at Christian integrity, the integrity of congregations. And then you go beyond that. Uh, so so that's, that's the point. And when we think of uh, injustice to Palestinians and what is going on in, in many parts of the world where uh, authoritarian militaristic governments are pressing down on the equality of people in their, in their larger society. That's where the Christian gospel seems to me really uh, has to take effect. The churches have to be together in love for each other and uh, among those who are part of those congregations. Then, then those congregations in that country, uh, such as the, the Greek Orthodox, the Anglicans, the uh, the Pentecostals, all those in, 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 in Palestine, when they prove that they really love one another, uh, this has a, has a powerful effect on the powers that be uh, to affect change in the long run. Uh, so that's, you know, Paul, Paul didn't uh, say, you know, I had this personal experience of the resurrection of Jesus. He did, but when he, when he speaks to the, the Corinthians, he says, I'm giving you what I received, that Christ died and was risen from the dead. It wasn't just his own personal experience. It was the experience of the church, of what God did in Christ. And he wanted to make that transformative for the Corinthian congregation and by extension, uh, the, the, the Greek and Roman world. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you. Maybe, uh, um, Andraos, maybe one more person. Do you have, do you have others? Uh, if somebody wants to say something, please just raise their hand. Yeah, because we're, we need to, to end this time of uh, discussion. But if there is one more, please, uh, otherwise. Okay. Once Okay. okay. Thank you. So let's put an end now to this time of discussion. Let's continue with the wave of prayer at this time. Thank you all for sharing. Uh, maybe we raise more questions than answers, but um, um, we move now into the time of the wave of prayer. And I think we have, who's, uh, remind me please, uh, Drawus, who's leading this? this? Uh, Radia and, uh, and Auntie Samuel. And Auntie Samuel. 
Okay, let us begin, please. On today is the manner. Okay. Um, why, should, why don't you do that? Yes. Radia is not with us. Take her part, please. And Rawas and Samia is with us. Auntie Samia. I will take the, the, the part of Samia also. Okay. Let's begin. This week, come on a second. Uh, this week, uh, I'm, here. Online. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Sam is, is here. Okay. This week's Komi Now online gathering was about the issue of Palestinian minors prosecuted in Israeli military courts. The Prisoner Support Association. Damir reports that about 700 Palestinian children under the age of 18 years are persecuted every year in Israeli military courts after being arrested, interrogated, interrogated and detained by the Israeli military. Lord, we pray that Palestinian children in the occupied Palestinian territories should be afforded all their legal rights according to international law. We continue to pray for the end of the Israeli military occupation of Palestine. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Cyrus Palestine has released its uh, 2021 Easter alert focusing in the city of Jerusalem. This year, may the Easter celebration of the resurrection be a celebration of a new love and full equality for all the people in Jerusalem, the entire region and the whole world. The people of Jerusalem, the churches and the international community have a responsibility to bring back to Jerusalem holiness where justice, peace, and love may prevail. Lord of all hopefulness, your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. We pray for the restoration of the holy city of Jerusalem into a city of peace, reconciliation, and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In Israel, more than 5 million people have been vaccinated against COVID-19 and the infection rate is dropping. While in the occupied Palestinian territories, coronavirus cases are rising, particularly in Gaza. So far, Israel has failed to honor its responsibilities as an occupying power to provide vaccines to the almost 5 million Palestinians, Palestinians living under its military occupation. Lord, you are the help and deliverer to those in need. We bring before you 
all those living in poorer countries, that the rich and powerful countries will share vaccine stocks so that all may receive protection from the virus. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. On Sunday, the 28th of March, Palestinian workers were, were chased by Israeli soldiers near the village of uh, Romania by the separation wall near Jenin. During this incident, uh, Mahmoud Qasrawi fell to the ground and sustained a severe head wound. He was rushed to the intensive care unit at Rafida Hospital Nablus. Lord, we remember all Palestinian workers who have to go through great difficulties to earn their daily bread. We pray for Mahmoud Qasrawi that he would receive the treatment he needs in hospital to recover from his serious injury. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We join. <clears throat> I'm, I'm supposed to say that. Yes. yes. We join with the World Council of Churches in their prayers for the countries of the Balkans, Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, Kosovo, Montenegro, North Macedonia, Serbia and Slovenia. Lord, in your mercy, hear Here our prayers. Let's take a few moments, brothers and sisters, in silent prayer. Let us pray for the sick, especially those whom we know, the needy. all people who are in trouble. And let us remember also our families and friends. May we say a special prayer for Victor Macari, who has not yet recovered fully from his, and who's celebrating his 80th birthday tomorrow. Those of you who know him. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us confess our sins against against God and neighbor. Say together, merciful, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you. In thought, word, and deed, 
by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not loved our We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Let's say together the Lord's Prayer in our different languages. Abana Alabi Fisamoa, Alabi Fisamoa, Yatapadas Ismayatapadas, Yati Malakutub, Yatakun Mashiatub, Kamafisama, Kamalikal Ord, Ubsanat Taruri Lilhaya, Atakayam, Wafirlena, Anubad. Let us commit ourselves also to the Agape Creed. Let's read it together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not celebrate injustice, but rejoices in the truth. Love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopes, always endures. Love cannot be conquered. And together we say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Let's go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.